Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A A lot to get into here on a Tuesday. And so let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline. And joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona. Grant, how are you doing? Doing good, Arash. How are you? I am good. Um, listen, uh, when we talked uh, yesterday, we were kind of talking about how perhaps the last two wins from the Lakers and Clippers could have been maybe, you know, season-defining wins or changing the trajectory of the season. You know, for the Clippers, they're, you know, still one of the, the top four uh, teams in the West. But for the Lakers, a team in sort of the, that play-in spot, you know, winning a double um, overtime game against Steph Curry and the Warriors, uh, and then for the Clippers to go into Boston, a team that had only lost once at home prior, and that was to the, the, the defending champion Denver Nuggets, for them to not only go into Boston and winning, but to blow them out, you know, what does that mean? Well, they both followed that up with really uh, poor losses on Monday. Wanted to start off with the Clippers, um, Grant, only because, you know, this was, and it, it wasn't going to be like an easy win, but, you know, going into Cleveland, now they're within striking distance of that one seed. And we've talked before, again, you know, you've been a fan for a long time. I covered this team. I mean, they've, they've never really... As far as I can recall, and I'd have to look this up real quick, I don't think they've ever been the one seed. They, they've always not. been, they, they've always been good. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, maybe they've been as high as three. Have, have they even been two before? I'm, I'm, I yeah, no. I think they've been two or three, but they've okay. never been the one seed in the franchise history. So, you know, I mean, th- th- this is significant in the sense that they're playing the best basketball in the league, uh, since December, uh, the most talented team, perhaps on paper. Uh, what did you see, again, coming off that very impressive win against the Celtics? What did you see as they went on the road to play Cleveland? Yeah, well, first of all, I think they just humbled me a little bit because <laughs> <laughs> I spoke a lot about how they're the best team in the NBA and how they're the most talented. And um, I still believe that. I just think that going into Cleveland, look, we know this with their matchups against the Lakers, and we know the, this about their matchups against the Timberwolves. When the Clippers go up against teams with a lot of size, it's really not a good matchup for them. And the, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, now that they had Evan Mobley back last night, um, it posed a pretty big challenge for the Clippers. And I know that they just beat Boston by a lot of points. Um, but this matchup just doesn't feel the same. And I think that's why they kind of, it kind of took them out of their rhythm. I mean, James Harden was three of eight. He only scored 11 points. Paul George was three of 11. He only had 13 points. When you have those two guys, 
playing that bad on the offensive end. They played pretty decent defensively, but when you have him playing that bad on the offensive end, you're really not going to do much. And Kawhi Leonard, he scored 30 points, but he was 13 of 25 himself, so it wasn't his efficient self. Um Teams like that are going to give the Clippers some problems, and that's kind of why a lot of fans and a lot of people around the media are talking about they should get another four. They should get more size to match up with teams like this because in the West, if you go around the West and you look at the Denver Nuggets, they have a lot of size. If you look at the Lakers in a potential playoff matchup, they have size as well. The Timberwolves do. Even the Thunder are kind of lengthy as well. So you're going to play a lot of teams that have that kind of size that the Cavaliers do um, and it's just not really a good matchup right now, especially with Avita Zubats out. So going into this game, I was a little bit skeptical if they could pull it together especially after such a high win against the Boston Celtics in Boston. Um, the Cavaliers were the second hottest team in the league to the Clippers over this past month, too. So it's not like the Cavaliers were were doing bad in any sense. They were actually playing pretty well. So um, yeah, the Cavaliers are a fantastic basketball team. They just matched up really well to Clippers. I just think that it was bound to happen. I mean, the Clippers can't go on too many seven to eight game winning streaks. Um, and I think that matchup wise, it was just a bad matchup for them. Uh, so I looked it up, Branton. So, quick trivia for you: the Clippers have been the two seed one time. There can it you is. Guess when they were the two seed? And if was you want it? a hint, I can give you the hint. But is it the bubble year? It is the bubble year. The yeah. Lakers were the one seed. The Clippers were the two yep. seed, and they really should have met. Obviously, as you know, in the conference finals, the Clippers having that three-one uh, series lead over Denver. It would have been weird, though. I mean, we've been dreaming, and again, this is our last chance to get it. And there's still obviously a a chance we could get it, but we've never had a Lakers Clippers oh, man. series period. But certainly during the uh, 20 years uh, or, or 25 years, I forget uh, that they shared Staples center crypto. We've never had a hallway series. We've come close twice, but um, we've never had that. So yeah, that, that was, again, they, they, they've been three, a couple of times, but again, I mean, that's, I think it's a significant thing. Like, I think any time you could do something that has not been done in franchise history, I think that's important. I think they've proven they have home court. Explain to me, Greg, because you've gone to these games. Again, there's like a weak, you know, low-hanging fruit. You know, the Clippers don't have any fans. I mean, obviously, that's not true. Uh, by the way, a ton came after me when I wrote about this home next to it, to a dome. A lot of it wanted to come <laughs> after me. But um, they have a hardcore, passionate fan base. I know this when I covered the team. It's kind of like the Kings, when, when I say, like, they could fill up, you know, like 20,000 crazy, rabid, loud Clippers fans exist. So the idea that Intuit it Dome could be the home base for that fan base is totally there. Um why do you think they've been such a good home team? Uh, I just think they're taking more pride in in defending their home court. And they've actually talked about this in, in a lot of their pressers and in their interviews is that they, they know how important it is for the fans to give them energy and for them to reciprocate that. And I think that's what you saw in Denver last year. That's what you saw from almost every champion, right? They have an excellent home court. And I know the Lakers in 2020 were in the bubble, but I guarantee you, if that was at Staples Center, which it was then Staples Center, and it, I'm still going to call it Staples Center, yeah. in 2020, I know that place was going to be crazy. And the Lakers have great home court as well. I think that the Clippers just sense that they have to protect that home court because if they're going to get a high seed, Arash, they're going to need fans to be engaged and they're going to need to play well in front of the home crowd. So, um, like you said, all the games that I've been to, there's been really good 
crowds. Obviously, you get some weekday games where it's a little bit scattered, you know, if they're playing a lower team. But some of the games that I've been to, and I went to 2021 Game 6, it was the first uh, full-capacity game after the pandemic. That was when they advanced to the Western Conference Finals. I was at that game, and I guarantee you that was louder than any other SoFi game that I've been to. Yeah. That was louder than probably uh, any Dodger Stadium game I've been to. And I've been to playoff Dodger games. It was that loud. So when Clipper fans get to the playoffs, and even last year, I went to the playoffs, and Kawhi and Paul George were out, and Clipper fans showed up. It was sold out. It was very loud. They had a lot of things going on. So uh, I don't know where this. I think the narrative is just that they're the obviously look at they're the stepchild to the Lakers in L.A. That's just what it is. And I think people paint that picture of them, but I think there's there's plenty of stats out there. I, I'm not going to say any of them because I don't know the exact number, but there are plenty of stats that show that the Clippers sell out many games in a row. They have one of the largest ticket selling fan bases in the league they go to crypto.com arena and show up even in the regular season so um yeah i think that i think it's a good idea that they actually shrank the capacity of into a dome it's not really going to be this huge three level type of arena it's going to be kind of compact and cozy but still fill a lot of people and i think that's kind of what steve Ballmer wanted it to be he wanted it to be intimate but he also understands that look this is in the lakers i bet you if the lakers built sofi a sofi sized basketball stadium i think they could probably fill that yeah. so uh, i think steve Ballmer understands but still clipper fans show up in the regular season too i've been to plenty of games this year plenty of games even when those two stars were out in 21 and 22 where fans were packing that stadium and they, they make a good environment there um we're, we're gonna go back to the clippers in a bit but i wanted to talk about the lakers because this has been the most heckle and heckle and jekyll dr jekyll mr hyde uh yeah. team in terms of you know, big win and not just a, a loss, Graham, but like a blowout loss where they're down by, you know, 25, 20 plus points, um, to Houston. Again, I'm not expecting them to go on this amazing run during the Grammy trip. However, I certainly didn't expect them to follow up that, uh, you know, big thrilling double um, overtime win against the Warriors with a, a dud against, um, Houston. Uh, your thoughts on that game? I know the Clippers game was kind of going on at the same time but we were texting and, and just like amazed that this is the the product that we see and again jared vanderbilt who we've mm-hmm. been saying should should be playing more got tossed in this one uh your thoughts on that loss yeah i always have i always have time to to watch the laker game too i'm not <laughs> passing that up either i always yeah. try to keep up on both so and and, and looking at that game um, you know, it just looked like they were just a step slow and double, double overtime for an older team does that to you. You yeah. know, that's just what happens. Um, and when you play a team like the Warriors where you're having to chase Steph Curry and Clay Thompson all over the court for two overtimes after the fourth quarter, that's probably what's going to happen for a team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis and guys that are c- kind of trying to manage things in the regular season. Look, and it's crazy because you look at the box score, Rosh, and it's 23 points for Davis, it's 23 for D'Angelo. Russell and it's 23 for LeBron James usually when you get that kind of production you think okay well they were in the game at least and they just weren't defensively they were walking around they were step slow even uh, Billy Mack and Stu Lance on the on the broadcast they were even saying man they're just walking around out there Mm -hmm. they're just standing around and 
Look, I, I can kind of chalk it up to it being a January game after, like I said, you just chased around Steph Curry for 60 minutes, whatever it was. But you can also say this, Arash, is that this team can't afford those types of games. They really can at this point. The Rockets came in two games behind the Lakers in that play-in tournament spot, and they, they played like it. Ime Udoka was really mad when they even had a, a 6-0 run, the Lakers did. And it really showed that the, the Rockets took this game to heart. And I know that there's a lot of things with Dylan Brooks and Dylan Brooks got a flagrant foul on LeBron too, so there's still some bad blood there. I think that the Rockets just came out with way more energy. They came out with the determination. The Lakers just didn't. And for whatever reason, Arash, and I, you could probably maybe point to the Jared Vanderbilt thing because they just didn't have any defense. Vanderbilt's been a very core piece for them over this past two weeks. Um, but it's just you can't really afford to have these types of games right now, especially when you're just trying to claw your way back up into the standings. And especially when you're a team that's, you know, always in trade rumors, you know, the Lakers are always in trade rumors. And right now, this isn't helping their cause. This isn't helping them say, hey, well, wait, well, maybe we do have something. I mean, Austin Reeves had eight points in 29 minutes. You know, the, these are things that you just can't afford to have right now, especially when you're playing. Look, the Rockets aren't the same Rockets. Yeah. And for a, you know, a, Tuesday, a Monday night game in Houston, I expected them to at least keep it close. And they did have a stretch in the fourth quarter where they did. But um, I'm going to keep repping this in is that, you know, you can't just turn it on after February anymore. You can't, you can't do that because you're going to be playing playoff games just like you did last year. And if you do get past the first or second round, you're going to be gassed just like you were last year against a good team. So, um, yeah, it was kind of a lackluster effort. It was, it was kind of disappointing after such a uplifting win that we both thought could change the trajectory of their season and with a kind of semi easy schedule coming up. So, um, for them, I think it's just keep chugging, keep chugging and you got to find that inner energy you got to find something like that and i know that's why a lot of laker fans are clamoring about darvin ham right now because he is the ultimate motivator and right now those guys don't look motivated in a lot of these games against the warriors they did this game they didn't so again it's inconsistency i just wonder i mean how loyal they are to him and and i don't like playing the coach card but i and i think you agree brandon agrees um, I think they have the players, and I think mm-hmm. that we have enough of a sample size. Not only the past season when uh, they go on that run post-trade deadline, make it into the playoffs, go to the conference finals, that when they've played the guys that they brought back, the reason that so many fans were excited about this upcoming season, the continuity of, oh, that lineup, yeah, that that those guys helped us get to that point. And his... For whatever reason, he doesn't want to play them together. And when he has, he's given us this like glimmer of hope that, you know, and I'm not saying like, listen, if they played that lineup that we love so much, and I will say it again, it is D'Angelo Russell, it's Austin Reeves, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. I'm not saying that they're going to go undefeated. Mm-hmm. I do think that team is not fighting for a play in tournament slot. I think that team is a top six team. By the way, not really going on a limb there. I think they're only two or so games back, two or three. So, you know, they're within striking distance. I think what happens, and LeBron was a part of this, as you remember, is that when you have a coaching change in season, uh, remember when Ty Lue took over the year that they won the uh, championship, you know, something happens. You know, you, you kind of look within yourself, you look at the mirror, you look at the calendar, you say, guys, like, 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 we're letting this season slip away. Um, again, 
I don't personally uh, like when a coach gets fired, and I think Darvin Ham is a good coach, but I do believe that they have the players to compete, and I do think it has been Ham's inability to A, play the right combination of players, and B, to your point, Grant, motivate them. I mean, the number of games where they've looked totally lackadaisical. I go back to that Brooklyn Nets game where they had the lead oh, yeah. in the third quarter, and they're down by 21 points. I mean, I'm like, I, like, how does that happen? I mean, like, there's no excuse for that to happen. And so, um, listen, wouldn't normally say a coach should go, but uh, I think Bill Handy is a well-liked, well-respected coach within the team. Again, he's not the long-term fit, but I think now we're kind of at the point where, like, you got to make a trade or you got to change the coach or maybe do both, and maybe you, you have a shot to, to do something. We'll see if that happens. Going back to the Clippers, uh Grant, um, how crucial is this road trip for them? Again, when you find yourself within one game of the number one seed, and again, now you're no longer at home, you're on the road, the Grammy trip that, again, they know of. Uh, by the way, the last this will be the last time the Clippers have to do that. Again, mm-hmm. for years, the Clippers have had to do a few things that they hated. A, the Gr- Grammy trip, they did not like that. In fact, they would normally have to be on the road a little bit longer than the Lakers and the Clippers. Number two, uh, again, when you get the third choice of games, you get a lot of 12-30 games. Um, I mean, it, it just, this is the last year that they have to deal with that. But their last Grammy road trip, um, what's the key for them? Uh, you know, what, what would you like them to be when they come back home? Uh, I think they should be six and one. And just looking at their schedule, um, they have the Wizards next, which should be a win. Um, they have the Pistons, then the Heat, and then the Hawks. So I'd say the 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 meat of this Grammy trip is probably over. I mean, I know the Heat are struggling right now, but they're still a formidable opponent. Um, they can beat the Wizards, Pistons, and the Hawks. I've seen them play very well against bad teams, which is something I could not say last year. Um, so if they can beat teams like Toronto and Boston and they can hang in there with Cleveland, especially with Paul George, this is the thing, Arash. Paul George right now is dealing with a groin injury and he's dealing with groin soreness and he's playing through it much like we wanted and all of Clipper fans wanted him to do last year. But right now he is not playing very well. He looks, he just does not look the same. So I think this upcoming two game stretch where you play at the Wizards and then you play at the Pistons, that's a great two game stretch for him to take some time off. Look, I'm very glad that Paul George is actually playing through minor injuries because that's kind of what teams in the 90s did. That's what great teams do. They play through these minor things and get through it and, and get their bodies used to it. But for him, it's, it literally is hampering him. It's, he just does not look the same with his lift and getting to the rim. So for the Clippers, I think finish it off healthy. Obviously, I think that's the main key through any game that they play right now is just get through it healthy but also take care of business don't don't really play down to the opponent because we saw that last year and this is a team this year that has not done that so i think stay with your plan stay with the game plan stay with that same locked in intensity and once you finish this stretch you have a couple days off and you get to play at home for a few games before the trade deadline and before the all-star break so they have a favorable schedule i think it's just keeping that same mentality i think they'll be okay um six and one to be extremely successful especially with the teams that they've played. Real quick before we go to break, I mean, no one really has a lot of confidence that the Timberwolves and the Thunder are the top two teams. Again, they are currently, like as we're talking here Tuesday, they're the number one and the two seed in the West. I think the majority of people either, A, don't think that that'll be the case once the season is over, 
or B are not necessarily worried about them, like as a, as if they are uh, like a top two seed. Do you agree with that? Uh, I don't. I just think that the you have to take these teams seriously. The Wolves have the number one defense in the NBA uh, for good reason. They have Anthony Edwards. They have Carl Anthony Towns. Um, these are guys that in the playoffs, I know Anthony Edwards has shown to be very good. And in the Thunder, they're a young... I think I trust the, the Wolves a little bit more than the Thunder just because the Wolves have gotten there last year. They played the Nuggets. The Nuggets have said, many players have said that they were afraid of the Wolves last year. And that was without McDaniels and that was without Nas Reed. So the Thunder, they still have to prove a lot of things, right? They're a very young team. They're kind of overachieving. So I can see that aspect. But these are two teams that you can just say, okay, well, they're you know they're not going to win any series. They they could win a series or two. These are teams that have great pieces on both ends of the floor. And if you catch them on a bad night, sure, you can get them, and they're young, but they still have so much firepower on both of those teams that you cannot take them lightly, especially if you're a team like the Pelicans if you get matched up with them, the Mavericks if you get matched up with them. I know they're young, but they're still very formidable. Yeah, it's just um, because I've been that way, and again, there is a moment where a team that has not historically done anything goes on a run. I felt that way about the Sacramento Kings last year. Yeah. Um, and I got proven right. Listen, they, they weren't ready for the spotlight. They lost to the Warriors in round one. I, I just think the Thunder and the Wolves are kind of there. They could totally prove, prove me wrong. Again, sure. there, there's a moment where that young team turns that corner and they go on a run and that, that could happen. All right. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we're going to switch gears and talk about the National Football League. The Chargers may just have their new GM. And getting ready for the Super Bowl. So we'll talk about that when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets for an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. You know, Grant, sometimes when I send out a text or a tweet, not a text, mm-hmm. a tweet or an X, um, I, I don't know what the response will be. I don't know if it'll go viral. I, I, I Sometimes I have a sense. I mean, obviously, listen, if I'm on the field and Jim Harbaugh is kissing uh, his mom and hugging his father, I'm like, that'll probably do well. Yeah. Uh, but when I tweet out where the Super Bowl teams are going to stay, I don't necessarily think that's going to pop. Uh, that was not the case last night. Uh, again, this is league, um, information. It's not like inside information. The league announced this a while ago. 
Um, but anyways, I tweeted, yes, the Super Bowl will be played in Las Vegas, but the National Football League wants the teams to stay away from the trips. The strip. By the way, that, that's true. When they had the Pro Bowl in Vegas, uh, they didn't want them to stay on the, the strip. Of course, that didn't stop them from, from going to the strip. Anyways, the Kansas City Chiefs will stay at the Western Lake Las Vegas, and the San Francisco 49ers will be located at the Hilton Lake Las Vegas. Now, the uh, beautiful Lake Las Vegas, and I say that truthfully, is really, uh, if you've not gone, uh, it's a really magnificent place that you would not think would be located in Las Vegas. It's 25, 25 miles off the Strip, so that, that's why. Uh, it's actually really great, and I get it. Listen, you don't want to have a situation where Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, or Brock Purdy, and Debo Samuel are walking through the lobby of the Caesars Palace or the Cosmopolitan or something like that. They will not be bothered at those two properties in Lake Las Vegas. Um, from what I've been told, I mean, they're basically going to take over those hotels. I mean, you'll see sometimes, however, where the teams can't take over the entire hotel. So you'll have uh, fans or uh, people who are just there for the game and they find them, find out that, the, oh, shoot, like, I'm at the team hotel. So, um, it'll be guarded. It'll be perfect. I mean, I think. Of course, it's not going to stop players during the week from going to the Strip. However, I think regardless of where the Super Bowl is, whether it's in South Beach, which was what happened the last time it was the 49ers and the Chiefs, whether it's South Beach, whether it's um, Hollywood in Los Angeles, whether it's New Orleans, you're going to let, let the players have a good time for a couple of days, and then you're going to have a curfew in place. And now it's a little bit easier to enforce a curfew when you're all the way out 25 miles away in Lake Las Vegas. Um, you mentioned to me about the uh, tweet and then I looked at it today and it got like a million or 2 million uh, views or something yeah. like that. What, what were your thoughts? I mean, again, I, you've been in Vegas, you've, you've been to a ton of these hotels and casinos. Again, yeah. not surprising that the league wouldn't want the players of the two competing teams to be like right on the strip. Yeah. Listen, uh, I agree with their decision to keep them away from the strip. Uh, things can get dicey down there. And I don't mean, you know, riffraff. Obviously there's riffraff in any major city, wherever you're going to go. Um, but you know, there, there are things that can happen on the strip and that's why they say everything stays in Vegas. Um, and the, the locations that you posted, I mean, I've never been out towards Lake Las Vegas. I've stayed towards the strip and I've t- stayed in, in downtown Las Vegas too on Fremont Street. Um, they look beautiful. I yeah. mean, these look like top end resorts and I understand why they're doing it. Um, but let, like you said, they're not going to keep these guys away from the strip, but it does mitigate some of the issues that could arise. And, yeah. um, look at Lake Las Vegas looks absolutely beautiful. Now that you posted, I actually want to go now, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look. These two teams, I think they are set on winning a championship, and I know that they're probably not going to get themselves into anything pretty bad that would hurt anything. But yeah, 1.1 million views on that, or impressions, I guess they called on X. I don't know what they call it on X nowadays, but yeah, um, yeah, it's crazy. Like some things you post, it's just like, oh, I'm just going to post it, and it just goes viral. And then the ones that you put so much time into, and it's like, oh, well, that was a dud. So yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you got views well, on this one because look, this is something that I probably wouldn't have looked up, right? This is something no, that a fan probably wouldn't really go and say, okay, I wonder where they're staying. Um, so it's good to get this stuff out. I know that you mentioned stuff about the designated media hotel as well. All right. So that was my next one. And I did not think this would pop as well because a, no one cares about the media. I mean, to be honest, Grant, like if you're lucky enough 
to be doing what, what we do. And if you're at the Super Bowl, if you're mm-hmm. on the row, on Radio Row, if you're going to the game, if you're, I mean, like, what a blessed opportunity. And I know the sports journalism is going through a very, very, very tough time. I mean, I, I, listen, it was tough when I was coming up. I don't think it's ever been as bad as this, mainly because I think that there's a feeling, and we could kind of touch on this because you've done such a great job mm-hmm. in terms of uh, content creation. As opposed to 2008 when the economy took a turn, I think that there was a feeling things would come back to normal at some point. I think this is not only the economy, I think this is like also where people can get their information. So yeah. I don't think like there's no part of me that thinks the newspaper is coming back. There's no part of me that thinks uh, we'll have traveling beat writers for like every single team. I mean, I, I think the days of that are gone. Um, you know, so how fans get their information, how they get their coverage, how they get their news and their um, information that is changing. But so I tweeted, that was my other hotel tweet, I guess, is mm-hmm. where the designated media hotel is. And again, I didn't think this would pop as well because uh, who cares where the media stays? Well, I think that they care when it's the Luxor, which is generally thought of as one of the, and I, I hate to say this because back in the day, Grant, when this first place, this place first opened back in 93 and I was a mm-hmm. kid, it was like, oh my gosh, this is like, the pyramid it's like in egypt it's so oh same for me right yeah uh yeah. but it's turned into a dumpster fire so i mean it's really most famous for recently from a sports perspective yukon was supposed to stay there where they had when they had the west regionals in las vegas they took one look at the rooms and they decided they were not staying there they refused to stay there they packed up their bags and left they ended up staying at the resorts world um so this is the media hotel but by the way super convenient Super convenient because it's across the bridge from Allegiant Stadium. It's basically across the street from the Mandalay Bay, which is where the media center will be. So just really, and again, it's on the strip. So this tweet granted double that. It did like over <laughs> 2 million views. And I think a part of it is like they, they've made the uh, Luxor, unfortunately, and I'm sure they're getting paid millions. They've made it into a giant Doritos chip. <laughs> So it looks like a Doritos chip, uh, but the number of, co- I mean, the comments here are, are amazing. I mean, this is on par <laughs> with um, when SoFi got upset when I took a food tour and uh, took a picture of like the hot dog that looked like it was under a lamp for a year. Oh, uh, you know? So, uh, you know, it was almost like low hanging fruit for a lot of the media and a lot of people out there that the media was staying at the Luxor. Um, well, what did you think of that? Yeah, listen, uh, like you said, when I was a kid, the Luxor, look, when you first go, if you're driving up to Vegas, the first thing you see when you go over there is the beam going straight up to the the heavens. So it's kind of a staple in Vegas, to me at least. Whenever I was going to Vegas, it was like, oh my God, we're finally almost there. Um, And look, I've heard plenty of bad things about it nowadays, um, especially that side of the strip. Um, But yeah, I think it's just kind of weird. I mean, obviously, you don't have to stay there and it's just kind of hilarious that it's just it looks like a doritos chip i mean if you're gonna make this thing this is the super bowl if you're gonna make it luxury and you're gonna want to appeal to people coming in why not just take it down i know it's probably a lot to take it down this is something that is just on the full face of this hotel um I've never stayed at the Luxor. I always kind of just wanted to just to have fun with it. Um, and it's just kind of outdated, obviously. And there's also, I look, I, I don't know, cause you live in Vegas half the time. 
I don't know if this is true, but it's just there are haunted stories as well. Yeah. So a- any media members going over there, please watch out. Please be I careful. Know. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be one of those things where I think, um, listen, if you are visit Las Vegas, if you're part of the your tourism board, and again, this is like it's the media. So, like, I'm not saying that they need to roll out the red carpet. I'm a little surprised with the number of hotels that they have. Um, like, if you were to say, what are the bottom five hotels on the strip? You know, I think you'd have to say like Circus Circus, Excalibur, Luxor is, I think, probably in that mix. I'm a little surprised with the number of hotels. But again, having, uh, you know, lived in Las Vegas, having covered games there, you really cannot get more convenient of a location right. unless you're at the Mandalay Bay. By the way, the Mandalay Bay is a nice hotel. So I'm assuming a lot of the nice rooms were taken up by league partners and uh, things like that. But the one thing, Grant, um, you know, again, I, I know these are tough times for a lot of media companies out there. Very affordable. It's less than $100 a night for the media, which is certainly not the case during normal Super Bowl uh, weeks. Uh, again, uh, that it gets higher, you know, once you get to Thursday night, Friday night. But listen, I mean, if you're one of these talk shows, uh, it's amazing, uh, Grant. They, they have 160 stations. We'll, we'll be out there. But um, you know, from all over the country, places that have nothing to do with the game, but they, you know, they come out there and they do their show. But, um, you know, some of them just go, go out there for the week leading up to the game and then they fly back Saturday or Friday or something like that. So we'll be out there just to kind of uh, see what that's like. Uh, switching gears again, Thursday, and we'll touch on this and we'll have Fernando Ramirez back on to talk about it, but they're going to have the uh, press conference for Jim Harbaugh. On uh, Thursday, it'll be at SoFi Stadium. And I was wondering where they were going to have it because I was like, they're not going to have it all the way in Costa Mesa because they're, they're about to leave that practice facility. Uh, the facility in the South Bay is not quite done yet. So they're, they're, they're going to have it at SoFi. They're going to have their uh, GM in place. Their uh, GM, not surprisingly, kind of has a uh, Harbaugh connection in the sense that he worked for John Harbaugh or with John Harbaugh with Baltimore. Um, your thoughts on, again, the significance of this uh, big press conference that'll be held on Thursday? Uh, like like we've been saying, Arash, for I don't know how long, the Chargers need to do it big, and they need to do it now, and this is why they got John Harbaugh, and this is why they pulled somebody from the Ravens. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh's probably been close with, um, and look, they got another JH. It seems like they're just going yeah, right. a whole bunch of <laughs> whole bunch of JHs here, but um, Joe Horitz, um, Hortiz, excuse me, he's the director of player personnel for the Ravens, and I'm like, they say they're targeting him, but it just seems like he's going to be their GM. Yeah. Um, this is an excellent hire. Um, this is something that for the Chargers, the Ravens have had constant success. Very good in the scouting, very good at drafting, very good at signing players is the reason why they went to the AFC championship this year and had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. They put a very good team around Lamar Jackson and each year they keep on adding things. They drafted Zay Flowers. They have Kyle Hamilton. They got Mark Andrews. You know, they have all these guys. Isaiah Likely is another guy that, that Joe Horty's got. So this guy knows how to pick players and I think him and Jim Harbaugh are going to work very well together if this is actually a true report. Um, the Chargers need to go big, and I'm actually very surprised that they're going after... They're not just opening their po- pocketbooks, Rosh. They are literally just throwing whatever checkbook there is out on the table and saying, here, sign it. We want you. So 
for the Chargers to have a press conference like this, to have it at SoFi Stadium, to have it be under the bright lights, under with a plenty of media there, this yeah. is what they need. This is what the Chargers need. And as somebody that loves the Rams and follows the Rams, I'm glad there's competition now. Yeah. Of course, the Rams to say, okay, you want to be like us? Okay, we're going to have to go win another title to prove you wrong. It creates competition, much like you always say this with the Clippers and the Lakers. When the Clippers are good, it forces the Lakers to be like, okay, hey, somebody else is threatening us. We got to do something about it. So I love this move for the Chargers. I love the Jim Harbaugh thing. I love that they're doing it big. This is what I've been waiting from the Chargers. I don't want them to be cheap and, and under the rug and all that. I want them to be out there and big and bright lights and all that. And they're doing it. They have won the offseason and it's not even the offseason yet. <laughs> you know, when, uh, and you bring this up and now I think back to this, um, you know, when, when, when people bring up that Paul George trade now, um, you know, and they like to do that. If, if Paul has a bad game or Shea Gilgis and Alexander um, has a good game, they, they, they like to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. um, and I'll never forget talking to Doc about that trade. And he said, it's very important that you look at the trade like this. It was a trade for Kawhi and Paul George. And I know the Thunder uh, were the only team in the trade, but like we don't get Kawhi without Paul George. I mean, he really said it very simply that I have options. I can go to the Lakers. That, that, that was a very real option there. It was. Very real option. The option, uh, listen, I, I think he was prepared to leave Toronto, but that was such an option too. Um, but he basically said, if you get Paul George, which almost seemed kind of like impossible because, uh, and you'll never forget where you probably were. Like that was not oh, even yeah. thought of. He wasn't <laughs> on the trade block. He didn't demand a trade. It just happened. Like the Clippers had to make an offer. The Thunder could not refuse and they had to get Paul George on board. But that was a trade for Kawhi and Paul George. And again, the doc told me that he told me this, that trade was made possible or the kind of motivation. The Lakers had just traded for Anthony Davis. The Lakers had combined that summer, that, that July, a couple of days before, I forget exactly when LeBron James. And Anthony Davis said, oh, by the way, like, if we don't get Paul George, we're not just like, like, we're not just not getting Kawhi and Paul George. Kawhi is probably going to sign with the Lakers. And yeah. Doc's joke to me at that point was, we might as well just move this team to Seattle. The Clippers hated that, by the way. Doc, for all I know, said that on the record. He did say that. I haven't, you know, but uh, th- that was the motivation. The Lakers were the motivation for that because, again, if they don't do what they did, again, give the Thunder a a deal that they could not refuse, and that was clearly a deal they could not refuse, they don't get Kawhi, they don't get Paul George, and Kawhi most likely goes to the Lakers. And so uh, that's why competition is good. Listen, if the Lakers were what they were pre-LeBron, I don't – think the Clippers make that move. I think that they go after Kawhi. I think they're very competitive in going after Kawhi. But do they do that kind of a deal? No. And by the way, we'll see what they do this season. At the end of the day, Grant, you'll be the first to admit, if this team wins a championship, it's all worth it. Because I, oh. I thought the same thing, and I'd love to get your thoughts, mm-hmm. when Detroit was having the, their run. And they said, well, you know, what happens if Jared Goff leads Detroit to their first ever Super Bowl. And oh, by the way, what happens if Jared Goff leads them to their first ever Super Bowl win? Do you look back? I said, you do realize the the Rams won a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. The Rams (laughs) would do that trade a hundred times out of a hundred times. 
Why? Because they won a Super Bowl. And so if Goff went on to win a Super Bowl with Detroit, kudos to him. It doesn't change the fact that the Rams made that trade for the specific purpose of winning the Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. Mission accomplished. Everything that happens from then on is gravy. Your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, Arash, it just so happened that they did it in the first year, right? Yeah, like, if, if yeah. the Rams didn't do it the first year, obviously we'd still be having those conversations. But every time you make that type of trade, you're making it to win a title. The Rams did an all-in, let's go in. Look, Jared Goff was very successful with the Rams. Let's not take that away from him. But they needed an upgrade from Jared Goff. They needed a guy that has proven to be, look, I think Matthew Stafford's a Hall of Famer. He's going to be a Hall of Famer in, at some point. That's my thoughts. They won a Super Bowl in that 2021 season almost because of Matthew Stafford. I mean, some of the plays that he made, I just know that Jared Goff probably wouldn't have made. And that's no knock on Jared Goff. We saw what he did in the NFC Championship uh, this past Sunday, and we saw what he's been doing for that that Lions team. Look, Jared Goff is an excellent quarterback. I still think that he's very, very valuable to that Detroit team. But if you're looking at I still think that th- this trade is a win-win because the Lions were bad his first year, and they've gotten better ever since. And it's not just Jared Goff. Obviously, it's the front office, and it's Dan Campbell. But Jared Goff has still been very good to the point where you can say, look, we they just got to the NFC Championship. I forgot to mention this on, on last night's show, is that kudos to Detroit, man. Like I was talking so much about San Francisco that we forgot to mention how great Jared Goff was yeah. this year. How great that team was this year. If you were to tell me that the, the Niners and the Lions were in the NFC Championship and the Lions were, what, six to eight minutes away from going to the Super Bowl, and I told a Lions fan that, I think they'd be saying, hooray, show me the tape. I want to yeah. see the footage. So the Rams got their title. The Lions are in a winning culture. They're in a winning type of situation. And both teams right now are still winning. So I think if you look, obviously people are going to go back and forth. Oh, one has a ring, one doesn't. But if you look at where they were, right, the Rams needed a ring. They got it. The Lions, they needed a change in culture. They needed a winning mentality. They have it now. So it is a win-win on both sides. And it did so many great things for Detroit, and it did so many great things for L.A. because the Rams are now moving up in the ranks in L.A. Sure, there's a lot of Niners fans. Sure, there's a lot of Cowboys fans. Sure, there's a lot of Chargers fans. But the Rams are starting to move up because they have that title. And I feel like if the Lions keep getting back to the playoffs and keep getting close to a championship, we're going to see the same thing for them too. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I thought that with the Pau Gasol trade, for, for example. The Lakers made that trade to win a championship. But if you look at what the Grizzlies got at the end of the day with like Mark Gasol and the cap oh, yeah. room that they got, again, certain teams make trades for different reasons. The Rams made that trade for the specific purpose of winning the Super Bowl. It was a win the Super Bowl or a bust. For the Lions, as we touched on, they were a 3-13 and team. I mean, the fact that they've gotten to the conference championship game first time since 1992, that was a win for them. So again, one of those rare win-win trades. I know we hate that in sports. We like a winner. We like a loser. <laughs> for folks, I hate to say it. No matter what happens from here on out, that was a win-win trade. Uh, Grant, you're the best. We will um, have you back on again as we continue to preview the Super Bowl heading to Las Vegas and um, you know all the big, big events surrounding that game. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.